That was sound wave. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, I got Good. it. Nice, nice. Ladies and gents, I just want to say thanks for supporting Andy Podcast Season 1, 2, and 3. By the time you guys hear this, man, we're on our, well on our way to Season 4. And, um, you know, th- this guest right here is exactly why I I made I made a show, you know, just to really highlight my fellow artists, my fellow hip-hop DJs uh, who's been in the journey with me. And um, this next guest right here is... Um, a very committed DJ for the culture. Um, he's also a producer. He's produced for my album called Shadows 2. Uh, he made a song, he, he made a beat for me called The Art of Noise. Um, he is a host of his own uh, every week uh, Twitch show called Cassette Robot Radio. You can catch him on Twitch at I Am Soundwave uh, Sunday at 10 a.m. Um, he's part of the Get Down crew and 805 DJs. It's not about me today, man. Without no further ado, we got DJ Soundwave. <laughs> What's up, dog? What is good, Marlon? Salute to you, good brother. Appreciate you. Thanks I appreciate you taking time. No, thanks for having me. Definitely. Oh, man. Ladies and gents, like, I've known Soundwave, I would say, since about uh, 2008, 2008, 2009. I met him through DJ Relit. And what meant a lot to me back in the days was that he was one of the very few DJs from Q1 to 4-7 that was supporting the underground, supporting me, putting me on every show he can think of, and just always looked out for me. And and to this day, he spins my records on his Twitch show. And um, you've been a very loyal supporter, man. Thank you, man. I, I'm, I like giving the homies their flowers now, you know? <laughs> you, you know what it is? Um, there's always good people that you uh, meet along the way and... Uh, you want to support those those people that support you and uh, show you love, and that's what it's all about, you know. Those uh, uh, networking and uh, getting close to people, and over the years, I, it's really a, uh, you know, you, you see the hard work and uh, determination, and you uh, it's like like minded individuals, you know. You uh, you just have that that bond, and it, it just it just flows. You don't you don't have to put no stress or. Uh, much effort into it when it just works you know yeah and one of the things about friendship i think as we get older is that uh i notice with the with the people that i choose to be in my life i notice like no matter how long i haven't seen them or how long we haven't spoken i mean i've been in touch with soundwave definitely more these past couple years especially during the pandemic but what i notice about true friendship is like a lot of years can go by and a lot of months can go by, but when you when you pick up where you left off, it's still the same, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It ain't no weird vibes, it, nothing funny style, it's still the same cat, you know? Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, it's you pick up where you left, last left off, I guess. That's what it is. And one thing I notice about this hip-hop game is that, let's be honest, sometimes our careers are popping and sometimes it's not. What I love about Soundwave is he showed me the same love when I when I, when it was popping for me, showed me the same love when it wasn't so popping for me. So that's how I know somebody's real, you know. Like through the ups and downs of my career, he's a DJ that always supported me and believed in me. So, uh, but tonight, I always take it back to day one, Soundwave. I ask all my guests. I mean, I know where you grew up, but for all my people's tuning in, where were you born and raised? Yeah, Oxnard, California, the 805. Let's get it. Let's get it. Legendary um, or whatever you <laughs> call it. Infamous. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, uh, Soundwave. 
You ever wonder how your mom and dad ended up in the Ox? Yeah, you ever ask yourself um, how how did we end up in Oxnard? Yeah, my um my family has a long tradition of just being out here um since the I believe it's since the about the the 30s or 40s. So wow, in yeah, the Ox? So it goes back quite a bit. Um they were here very early on. Uh, Maybe the Ox in the 40s? Um I think it was the the 40s, yeah. So wow. Uh, so um back then i guess um i'm not sure somewhere around the um the naval base type of stuff like mm-hmm. uh one of my well my grandfather was uh doing a lot of different um tours or stations and uh, for whatever reason i think they ended up out here somehow so uh, so yeah. grandpa was in the navy yeah there um, you I, go yeah i didn't really know him like growing up or anything because um you know just you know how family goes it just people go their own ways or whatever but um yeah my my grandma she was like the foundation really of our of our family she was the one who uh we had like she she was like one of the unifying pieces and uh she always brought like the family together like big family reunions and just uh a lot closer as as i was a child we i i felt like i had more like uh, a huge family like gathering type of structure and uh as we got older and when my grandma passed uh, a lot of the family just lost contact and we start stopped um hanging and you know it's just it's weird like that how i guess things turn out but um you know it's just is i i guess part of that is just uh and it goes back to you being involved how involved were you and i guess if we're just gathering for like parties or barbecues <laughs> that's how that's how i i knew i guess a lot of that family so um i guess that's just what it was so uh Sanway, when you say grandma and grandpa are you talking about mom's side or dad's side uh my mom's side i didn't i didn't really know my pops so and i i just never i guess uh thought to or or like really you know him just my my mom and i i remember like i, I pretty much all i remember from my dad was him leaving us like yeah. him walk him walking away uh yeah. when we were i don't know i was probably like five or so i so that's pretty much my only memory of him but um i never cared to pursue or find out you know where he was or what happened to him uh, do, you, do you think he's still alive no, I doubt it. I doubt it. Yeah. 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 It, it, he would have been pretty old at this point. So, and, uh, mm. yeah, it, it, like, if he was around, like, Oxnard or Ventura or the local areas, I'm sure we would have, you know, it would have been different. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, um, he moved away quite a bit ago. And then we just, I, you know, Last I, touch. I, yeah, I didn't really. It, it wasn't something that was guiding me or I, it wasn't like in the movies where I needed to know who my dad was to make me whole or something like that. No. Yeah. I just, um, you know, just my, my family was pretty much the, I was raised by women and, um, my, um, my influences early on were, uh, you know, just like my uncles or, you know, I had a, I had a stepdad and, and just, um, those were like, my male influences because um 
you know that, that that's who was around and I, I just you know learned here things here and there from them and uh my my father my my real dad was um he was actually like a musician he played like the accordion is no way what my family had told me so i guess that's where the music part of me came <laughs> <I'm>, <laughs> i love it yeah um what what elementary did you go to the ox um, you know, early on, we moved around quite a bit. My mom was like a teacher's aide, so we would uh, we were in like Port Wainimi area, and then we were in Oxnard. Um, you know, just all over Oxnard. So I went to a bunch of elementary schools early on, yeah, because uh, my mom was just you know they she was just like an assistant teacher, so like a teacher's aide type of thing, so she had to go wherever they pretty much needed her so early on i went to like geez all the uh like eo green yeah 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 uh blackstock so you went to junior high and blackstock yeah i did then fremont (laughs) so um yeah it was kind of it was kind of wild early on i kind of bounced around a bit what high school did you go ahead go ahead I eventually uh, moved with my my aunt and my uncle, and they lived out in uh, Ada Colonia. So that's where I started going to Fremont, and eventually I went to Oxnard High School. Right. And you graduated Oxnard High. I had a little stint in Frontier. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Early on, just mad ditch, mad dude, like mad ditching, and we were cool with like uh, the gatekeepers. <laughs> what all them so man and I would we would dip early and um I pretty much started making little mixes or mixtapes just off not even mixing just off of whatever my favorite jams were going on at the time um so this was sort of when like underground hip hop started bubbling I would say like in high school um the early 90s late 80s um other than like you know um like rock Kim, de la soul krs there was more of an independent hip-hop scene bubbling so that's when we got like the souls of mischief and uh the hieroglyphic crew and uh like organized confusion stuff like that that was a lot more independent then I guess the big artists that were happening, like you know Dougie Fresh, Biz Markey, and Big Daddy Kane, these guys were a little bit more edgier, hardcore. It wasn't more, it wasn't like the gimmicky hip hop or the the stuff you hear on the radio, I guess, or the videos. Even they were a little darker. <clears throat> Things started getting a little darker and a little more, um, I guess, surreal. So I kind of gravitated towards this type of hip-hop a little bit more i still loved all the other stuff you know but this this other type of hip-hop started like really intriguing me and making me like see like oh man like what is this this is like this is cool and nobody's talking about it like so back then you couldn't really um Mm -hmm. you couldn't really like look it up on the internet yet there was no internet you had to you you just had to like uh check things out at the um, magazines or or there was like a rap pages or um, there was like a few little hip hop publications that were going around that 
I guess we're like kind of spotlighting these uh, artists. So Soundwave, let's take it back to day one real quick. So before we yeah. get to like, like your DJing in high school, um, like as, as a kid, what was like your first memories of hip hop? Like, was it a song that you heard? Was it something that you saw on TV? Was it a music video? Like, what was your first recollections of hip hop, bro? Was it a song? Yeah, so so early on, um, there was these dudes that would like walk around, sort of like a like a Mexican ice cream man, like a palatero, but they would sling <laughs> they would sling like boot bootleg cassettes. Yeah. So they would they would walk around in carts and they would sling like they would have all the all the tapes, whatever was happening, like Aloe Cool J or the Fat Boys, Prince, um, Michael Jackson. Um, so like early on, I remember like my first ever tape, they were bootleg tapes of, yeah. I think it was the fat boys. Uh, I think one of the first ones was definitely the fat boys, uh, Cheech and Chong. <laughs> I think, uh, Eddie Murphy raw <laughs> and, um, probably like maybe George Carlin or something. Those were like my first tapes and it was just like, man. I would, I probably, my, being that my mom was a, a teacher, I remember having a cassette player that they used like in the classrooms. Mm -hmm. So it had like, it was just like a weird kind of shape to it. It was like the long form tape player <laughs> that I guess they would re use to record class or how, set. How old were you when you first heard the Fat Boys? Oh, I was probably about. Um, nine years old or so. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Let me ask you this, dog. So, what was the who? So, besides the Fat Boys, man, respect. But as you get, as you start getting older, who was the first solo MC that you were like, oh shit, like, like? Yeah. Um, who was the first MC that had an impact on you? Like, wow, that motherfucker is crazy. Yeah. Well, from those early tapes, like the the biggest star at that time was LL Cool J. Yeah, I knew you were going to say that too. I knew you were going to say LL too. LL Cool J. And <laughs> so he was the, the first rap. Yeah, yeah, the BC Boys, LL Cool J, Run DMC were like the biggest stars in the world to me right there. Like, uh, yeah, just just LL, LL just has his mic presence and the way Woo! that he, it's just like he, he was the star of the show and he demanded he demanded your respect, you know. Even before all the love songs really like, you know, because I Need Love was like a huge song, but then he, he had Bad, so he was the pretty much the architect of being able to woo the ladies and, and get fist pumps from the fellas, you know? He really uh, mastered that because before it was just like, I guess early on, like hip-hop, just, just, you know, I heard Sugar Hill Gang or... Um, MC Busy B or The Treacherous Three. Like, I heard those, but it wasn't until later on I got a little older where I kind of started backtracking and getting more invested into, like, okay, where did this all start? Because this, it's like, put it this way, like, you're like a kid in the store. You're going to see the biggest Transformer box <laughs> and you're going to look at the dopest toy, whatever. You're going to, that's going to catch your eye. You're not going to, probably look at all the other ones first so being that run dmc and ll 
and the Fat Boys and Curtis Blow, these type of artists were really at the forefront of hip hop very early. Mm-hmm. Um, they were the sort of like the 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 championship team or whatever at the time. I guess that's how I could compare it to. And, and let me ask you this, bro. Like, um, what was the first album that you had to that you had to own? Like the first rap album that that really like, man, I gotta have this, mom. Or you have to save up your your yeah your the, lunch money or something. The um, well, besides those bootlegs, I remember um, I I wanted the actual vinyl of uh, Al Cool J Bad. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. So I hell I, yeah, yeah. I had to have the the record, and then I remember uh, I think I got it like a Kmart or something. Yeah. Let, let me add something about LL Cool J. I just had a conversation with somebody about this talking hip hop today. I just think in 2021, I know in this generation, I know these white kids just think that this guy LL is the actor on NCIS yeah. and he, he's the host on this a karaoke show. And I know that's all they see him as. And he, and he's done these big Hollywood movies. He's made the jump. But I just feel like you motherfuckers don't even know like LL Cool J is the architects of one of the architects of this hip hop shit man like and I feel like by the time he stepped into Hollywood brother he he definitely paid his dues and definitely dropped so many classic albums and then he became an actor like he paid his dues in hip hop before he moved on bro you know, real you know, shit yeah he absolutely did you know real shit man he paid his dues. He had some historic, some of the most historic beefs, oh, battles. Dude. Him and Kumodi were sending uh, shots for for a decade. You know, he had beef with the uh, Ice T. He had beef eventually. You know, the whole cannabis thing. But um, he kind of fell off. It, as far as um, you, you think, Al fell off a little bit. Yeah. You know, he he fell off eventually, but um. Because it was just he was distracted. He was in Hollywood. He yeah. Was, he how do you how do you top yourself? How do you? It, it's that's the age old issue with all music. Yeah, not just that. I just think LL wasn't so focused on music this last decade. This, I would say these last fifteen years, he wasn't really focused on music. I just he. I don't think he was fully immersed in it. You know. Yeah. And 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 you know it's it happens. Like, it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like you're chasing you're chasing yourself at that point because it's like, you know, you're how do I top myself? I've already had number one albums. I've already had platinum singles. It's like you know, so he's done he's done it all. But um, you know, there's I I, I can't take anything away from him. Like I nah, can, man, uh, hell no. Al, what? Yeah. Jeez, it's one of the architects of this shit, man. I built this culture. Um, let me ask you this. Now, as far as turntablism and being a DJ, who were the DJs you were seeing around the neighborhood that influenced you? Was was it something that you saw in the hood, like someone that you saw DJ first and like, you know, like a friend, like, like who was the first guy that introduced turntablism to you, bro? Like, yo, Soundwave, peep this shit. Yeah, um... I remember like school dances, seeing, <laughs> seeing the DJs. Yeah, there you that's, go. Yeah, that's what it was. I, I I believe the first DJ and uh, 
I have mentioned this to him. Um, his name was Steve Sharp. Yeah, I remember him. What up, Steve? Yeah. He he definitely DJ Black Sox, Black Sox Junior High dances. Yeah. And one day I was opening for Warren G at the Ventura County Fairgrounds, and I see Steve. He was Steve. <laughs> Steve was right there. I was I was so happy to see him. All right, go ahead. I'm, I didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, that not at all. It's it's, it's like uh, definitely he uh, he was like. He had the crazy like setup. He had so many. <laughs> he, he had so many speakers on the stage, <laughs> and he had all these lights in the fog machine. And I just remember, I remember just being so like so happy. Like I wanted to stand there near the speaker, and um, I wanted to find the girl. <laughs> I wanted to find the girl that I mustered up enough courage that I was gonna go try to dance with next to that speaker. So. That way, if I said something dumb or I didn't, my game wasn't on point. Maybe she couldn't have heard it too much. Ladies and gents, this is some <laughs> ox. Like the fact that Soundwave said Steve Sharp, this is some real deep oxnard. Like, like this is some oxnard shit. And like, like yo, Black Sox Junior High class of 1999. If you're tuning in, I love you guys. All the, all the dances that Steve Sharp DJed for us, it just brings back so many memories, man. I'm glad you said that name. I love you, Steve. You influenced us, bro. If you if you get a hold of this interview, man. Um, yeah, he absolutely did. And uh, Steve Sharp, uh, Jay Scratch. Jay Scratch, what up, Jay yeah. Scratch? Legend, La- yeah, 805 but, shit, boy. Yeah, Jay Scratch. Um, early on, that just one of those guys um, who I didn't really get to know because i was still young you know i'm just i wasn't even even thinking about djing yet i was just an observer and i had some records that i thought i was cool let me practice scratching or you know just because i thought it was a cool thing to do and uh, i thought hip-hop was so brand new to me that um, it was early on in the early 80s that it was still you know it, it wasn't quite as universal as it's as, as now yeah yeah and now it's just it's, it's embedded in all of everything Culture. yeah, yeah the, the whole whole existence pretty much is hip-hop related now but um back then it wasn't really allowed or accepted you couldn't really i couldn't play it at certain times of the evening because they would tell me to lower that or turn that off because they wanted to hear their um Rick James or their old school or you know whatever you can tell America was still trying to suppress it back in the early 90s like they was not trying to let it blow blow you know yeah yeah this was the even just growing up in the in the 80s um it was really like the Beastie Boys were loud and crazy and we couldn't you know like I couldn't wear even a (laughs) t-shirt to school yeah I couldn't wear a t-shirt to school because I remember getting sent home one day for wearing a Beastie Boy shirt. Um, that it was <laughs> wild, like stuff like stuff like that was just uh, it. Like you know, like we honestly grew up with hip hop. Oh early man, on. we are kids. We, we we were raised by this. It raised us, man. Like, um, if, if I didn't have hip hop, I would I wouldn't even know what type of person I would be. Like, Honestly, ladies and gents, like some of the most amazing people I've met in my life, I don't know if I would have met them if it wasn't for hip hop, you know. And um, like the experiences that it gave us as performers, it's just like I'm gonna just say it because nobody says it for us. It's like this: that way, 
our lives are always going to be a little different from others, dog, because we're, we're involved in music, you know? Like, I guess what that means is we're always going to be performers. Um, so, right. you, you, you witnessed these DJs. What was the next step for you to become a DJ? What were you, did, what, did you ask mom, mom, can you buy me turntables, please? Can, can I get some SP 1200 techniques? Like, what, what was the next step oh, for you? That, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't until later on, like after high school. And I, I, you know, once I got to that point, I was always early on uh, collecting records mm. for whatever reason. I wanted the bigger version of the tape. There was no CDs even around yet. So even when you weren't DJing yet, you were you were buying vinyl already. Yes, wow. I was. Yeah, I was already collecting vinyl even before I was. I was a DJ. You know, I just I I just love. That's crazy. I I used to love hanging up the albums on my wall, and I still yeah. do. I still do. Forty years later. <laughs> Ladies and gents, I uh, like Soundwave is you know look 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 it's like this right like I'm a hip hop head. Uh, I'm a I'm, I'm a hip hop historian as much as I can remember, and I know a hip hop head when I meet one. Soundwave is a motherfucking hip hop head, dog. Like, it's just there's the culture and the knowledge he knows about the culture is just amazing. Um, you know that there was a it's um, amazing man. Man, thank you, brother. I really appreciate you. There... You're, you're a historian like me. Like I know a historian when I see one. Like you know a lot about hip hop. You know, um, some of the other, some of the other early influences uh, that really got me like, okay, I wanna, I wanna stop just trying to make little mixes because I was, I was making mixtapes just off of one tape to the next. Mm-hmm. Even before I even was thinking about being a DJ, I just, I loved my favorite songs. I just loved music in general, so I wanted to have them on my Walkman. So, yeah. I, so I was just making these tapes. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. somehow I don't know how I did it, but I got a hold of like a Nightmare on Elm Street like uh, record, and I wanted to put the some of the the scenes with the like the hip hop music. So nice. Early on, I was sort of learning how to cut and splice tapes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so early on I was always I, I I was intrigued by the the art of mixing or, or composing things even if they didn't match. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's sort of where I got my style from where I bring all these weird things together to make it mm-hmm. sound like it's cohesive or it should be that way. because um, early on I was really interested in mixing things up and see how they came out. A lot of it sounded like shit, <laughs> but I got, I got it, you know, I, I, it was all trial and error and I wanted to figure out what sounded best. So, um, early on, um, that's this, and this was elementary school, bro. This wasn't even, by the time I was in high school, I was already like, I had a good amount of records and, um, I was already practicing DJing and I was doing little barbecues and parties and like just for family but um i started looking around the scene and i met dj armani nice and i met um i met slimer and busy d nice at like this dj battle thing and i couldn't i wasn't a dj (laughs) i couldn't battle yet i could i you know i i knew i had some i knew i had the jams but i couldn't do what they were doing with them so 
that made me want to step up my game and just be like, I know the music. I just need to figure out how to interpret what they're doing. Um, and it was, it was the, it, from there, then on out, I, I started becoming a DJ. Yeah. Nice. So when you said, when you said you, you were practicing around like family barbecues, whose turntables were you using? I was just using a, believe it or not, I had one, <laughs> but my uncles logged, he, I, I, I had him drag this big console that we had that I had a turntable on there. And um, it was like a, a big old, like one of those big wooden consoles. And I would play, I would plug in a tape player into it. So I was playing my records with the tape player and just going back and forth that way. Nice. And ladies two and gentlemen. Two sets of headphones. Two sets, two separate sets of headphones. Because <laughs> I had to hear what was going on. <laughs> Oh yeah, it was it was wild. I, I, looking back, it was it, it felt so primitive. But at the time, you know, I had no money to go out and buy a gear or equipment. So, and this it, is what go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I, I I made it work however I could, and uh, I remember having like um, the rally parties, you know, after after the football games or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So one time I shut down my block because I had a a party in my I, I even made flyers i wish i had them still but i i, I had like a, a like a crazy garage where it was like you could fit like probably four cars in there it was long and narrow so i had like this party one time after like a football game and there was a, at least over 100 people just a uh, hundred teenagers just were Chilling. all just posted and um you couldn't even hear the music i was trying to play because it was uh, the just the people talking were so loud, and some dude ended up stealing a bunch of my CDs. No. Yeah, that I was actually using that day, you know, because I was out on the corner trying to holler at some girl or something. <laughs> uh, so that dude, uh, that dude, he got got he got caught up uh, by a few people that attended the party. We'll just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So yo yo Soundwave man. So how old were you when you own when you started owning your own set of, of techniques? Or, or, I believe or... I was I believe I was eighteen. Eighteen nice. or yeah. So I found the I found the catalog and um, I actually went like I, I I bought the turntables and another friend of mine he bought the speakers. So we kind of like were partners for like a few months until he wasn't like he wasn't really like he w- he was getting mad because i was going out and trying to get gigs and he, he was like trying to be delicate with the like, equipment and he's like nah let's not do nothing because i don't want the stuff to get messed up so i was just like what are you talking about like people are hitting me up like let's go do this let's go drop these these joints come on let's go play some jams and um i was i was just like you know this ain't gonna work out man i need to i need to break off and just do my own thing so um i ended up just going and uh finding some speakers myself and uh started djing from there and so i was about i was i believe my senior year and um that's when i really um i i used to go by by turtle back then mm-hmm because uh, all all my boys they would always call me turtle because of like the ninja turtles um so early on um 
I remember just meeting uh, different cats and just <coughs> sorry, you're good. Just uh, just going over stuff, and they would always call me Turtle. So I needed a DJ name, so I was going by Turtle. And uh, early on, there was like little flyers with they had like a turntable with a turtle on them, and uh, I guess stuff still to this day majority of my my close friends and family they still call me turtle yeah it's your hood it's your hood name <laughs> um let me ask you this bro <coughs> um in oxnard who was the illest djs around yeah it was back, uh, back in like yeah it, yeah it, it was uh dj wicked was like probably like the most technical that I remember early on uh, before I knew um, a lot of the other DJs um, DJ Armani was great and uh, then eventually like you know I, I remember just <laughs> yeah Slimer and Busy uh, those all those yep. cats the ASR cats yep. and there was a bunch of other DJs that I started hanging around just by playing, just by me DJing I guess that sort of was how I started meeting the other DJs and then really like I could honestly say some of the the my best friends are DJs they're just like DJ Myron yeah is uh him and Emil I met them at a party that we were both at and like I de- uh, they they DJed and then I was talking with them and then eventually we showed up to this record store together like hey what's up I remember we chopped it up so from there we started um rest in peace emil i just want to say rest yeah, in peace. yeah r.i.p emil uh, Good so, right there uh-huh. yeah absolutely we started uh bonding from there and then eventually you know that's like my compa we became great friends and he's like brother i love it yeah man so um early on it was it was a uh, dj myron uh dj dj um disruption uh, Edgar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Opie, there was a Opie and a Catastrophe. Mm-hmm. So, they were in a DJ crew, and we sort of, me and Myron got brought in with them, and we became the physical mechanics. It was nice. A, it was a DJ crew, like a battle crew. So, they were battling cats over on the Cafe on A. So from there, it was just like a huge thing, like Spinobi, DJ Logic, yeah, <laughs> like just all these. Um, that's where I met. That's and then that was like sort of the breeding ground. That's where I met all. Started meeting all the MCs. Oh man! So I met, I met J Pro, uh, Kingsley. This is the scene right here. This is yeah. this is what, this is where it, this is the scene. You know? Yeah. This this was the. Um, this was the really the what became um Oxnard hip hop, yo. Yeah, out of um out of Mad Lib and uh, um so, MED. I actually know knew MED's brother and um that's how I, I met Nick. Like and I, I didn't even know he was an MC and I was like, What the heck? That's you? So early on, like just meeting Can Kick Mm. What a, yo, damn! I love hearing these names. Like, damn, man! It's like it's just it a reminder of how crazy the scene was. Yeah. Um. 
Go, go. So yeah, I could just you know, um, strict nine. So, mm-hmm. There was um, you know, a mainframe. Me and mainframe. He was like my biggest advocate back then. <laughs> he was, he was um, always running through my crib because I had like a ear, I guess, for like certain underground groups before they popped. Mm-hmm. Like I knew, um, like dilated before they were like really, you know, became started becoming. Like this is the early '90s still, and um, I was I was digging really hard and. Um, playing all these like hip-hop from like um the uk like trip-hop at the time mm-hmm. so this whole scene or this i had a i started this is when i started um getting into like beat making and he would come to my house and he would see me like working the mpc and he was like what so we was we started just uh, working on things and it was just crazy because eventually he went to form his own record label and uh one after that he became an artist himself and did albums with blue and exile and uh so on and uh gas lamp killer and um it was just crazy man i i i think you could trace me back to a lot of the the heads out here um the epsilon project um points of ellipsis um, I was working with uh, like Astro and uh, Sali, <laughs> like trying to do songs with these guys since the early 90s, like uh, Grocco. But I was making these beats that I guess they would they would work now. <laughs> but this was in the 90s and they were just so weird back then. The beats the they were too, too much, I think, for for the the. <laughs> the local rappers because we we couldn't really ever we had all these dreams and ideas but i could never really bring anything to fruition with them because i think the beats i was making were so weird but now they kind of fit in perfectly thank thank you so much for letting me rock some stuff with you so ladies and gents by the time i met soundwave i it was by the time I met Soundwave, I, I graduated. I just graduated from Cal State Fullerton. It was my first year out of college. And, um, you know, growing up in the same hood, I guess, I graduated high school class of 2003. So I, I moved back home for one year after college. I moved back 2008. And that's when I met Soundwave through DJ Relit. And um, by the time I met him, he was working for Q147. So I wanted to ask you, how did you get the job at Q147? Yeah, I, I got the job from uh, just playing the clubs. I was DJing. <laughs> I started out DJing. <laughs> I started out DJing in uh, Santa Barbara at this club called Zalos back then. Um, just just because I was already DJing and um, I love I, it, man. I became friends with uh, a cat called Cyber Kid. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he was pretty big. He like he's a big industry DJ. So that was my my boy at the time and eventually became my roommate. Uh and then there was DJ Ernie. Uh DJ Ernie was one of the really early on cats that he's very soft spoken. He's like sort of like mysterious. Like he just <laughs> he just doesn't he's not much of a, a cat. But he's so funny, bro. Up. Yeah. 
he he he's an amazing DJ and he'll just he'll tear anyone up and he doesn't even have to say anything. He doesn't even like probably I could tell you all the years I known DJ Ernie, he's probably like one of the quietest guys and I still don't know I still don't know everything about him just because he's always been that dude. Like he he's not a very uh braggadocious type of cat. Like, you know, like and being a DJ and an MC, you're like you 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 kind of that demand respect, you know. And you're surrounded, like, and not just that, you're surrounded with ego all day. Oh yeah. my god! This, you this, have this. to hold your own, and you have to be, you have to be like that guy in a lot of places. And yeah, it sucks. He's um, one of the DJs who he was very subtle, yet he would rip shit. So I I got mad love for so for DJ Ernie and. Uh, Myron and just my my crew, just man, love for them. So, Soundwave, you got the gig through Cyberkid. Um, I got no, no. I I was DJing the clubs for a bit uh, in Santa Barbara. Eventually, I moved over to uh, Ventura. I started DJing over at Nickelby's because of Jay Scratch and, and DJ they... DJ Wicked. So, I was just sort of like being a a helper i was carrying their crates in up the stairs and being like hey could i play 15 minutes could i play could i mix a few songs i was that guy early on Hi. just trying to get my foot in the door hustling you know yeah so and by the way ladies and gents i, I gotta add this man this is this is what makes a real true DJ, okay? Someone that had to start with borrowing uncle's equipment, you know? Someone that had to start with carrying crates for other people, asking people to, to like squeeze to squeeze them in for 15 minutes, willing to carry crates, you know? And this is what makes a DJ like that's been tested through the fire. Like you have the right to call yourself the DJ because you pay the dues, dog. Not no fake ass DJ that started last year and and just like a real DJ that that understands the science of turntablism. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. So no, that's you. So I, you were, I really, I really paid my dues. Like yeah, hell <laughs> yeah, you paid your dues, bro. So you you were in Nickelby spinning. So from there, you caught yeah. the attention of Q on the four. Yeah, uh, DJ Fred Rock. Um, nice. he, was, he was really like he was one of the uh, the head heads of the um, the mixers. Mixers are the DJs on the air. So he was one of the the you know the in charge of the DJs. So he uh, he brought me to the side like, hey, you know what? Do you think you'll be ready? Can I bring you in? Are you ready for this? And I was nervous, dog. I was like, man, I don't know, like. You know, I, I was used to playing uh, dirty versions of all the songs or, <laughs> or doing all these things. So, so you know, it, it's just uh, you, you got to sort of like parental advisory sticker yourself. You know, you got to make sure you're uh, you're clean, you know. And, and I, I knew from playing family functions and parties, you know, I couldn't play certain records or I had to play clean. I had to even mute the the mixer itself bring the volume down just when there i knew the bad word was coming up mm -hmm. so nobody would hear it so it was just funny that um i was like you know what in the back of my head i was absolutely ready for it what, what was the first record you played live on air oh man i i really don't remember but i i remember um getting used to the format so the format of radio is really kind of different it's it's kind of weird where you have to um, 
you have to work off a playlist. You have to work off a playlist, and they give you like this list of songs. So I would have to play like some R&B jams, some slow jams, mixed with the hardest record at the time, whatever it was. But <laughs> yeah, it was really like, how do I do this? So I would the first time I was really nervous because I didn't know how to format um, airplay. I knew I could rock a party. I knew I could tear it up at a at a a, a hip hop show, but radio was a different animal that I was like it was wild to me I was like oh man I need to really prepare and so dusting off and getting my head clear after after a few weeks I was really like I got in my groove and I felt really comfortable and uh, it really went from there but early on it was it was kind of different just being able to uh, just uh, get used to and accustomed to being a radio DJ because you can't be a scratching DJ, you can't rip it up and you can't do that on the air. It's just no, it's not encouraged. They don't want you doing that. You have to, um, you have to like follow like certain guidelines. You have to hit certain points. You had to do commercials, and I wasn't used to none of that, so I was very um, naive going into it, thinking that I'm gonna do my thing over there. And it just took a little while, but um, yeah, eventually I incorporated my style into the air, which pretty much um, sounded like a live mixtape. So let me ask you this, dog. For the five years you worked at Q104, what was your regular time slot on air? Um, I did uh, the weekends. Nice. So I did... What time? I, I did Friday and Saturday, probably about 10 p.m. So I was jumping around that time uh, quite a bit. So people were calling in, trying to make requests. Like I had family members... 10 p.m. Like, till what time, Sanway? From 10 p.m. till when? Um, it was just pretty much like an hour or two. So, right. so it was just a really quick spot. But I had an hour that I had to rock. Um, right. So, and, and the way they break it down, it's really like 25 minutes and then a break. And then you're a, another 25 minutes or so. So, um, yeah, it was just, it, 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 was, it was a good time. But um, after a while, it was just like, I wanted to, I guess, do more things and it kind of interfered with them. Um, I couldn't get time off. Like, say I had to DJ a club or something and I would lose my spot. Like saying that some other DJ had to fill in for me. So then I had to work my way back up. It was just, it was kind of like, oh man, you know, like, how do we do this? And um, I wanted to bring local artists in, get their songs playing. And it, I couldn't really... I, I felt like I was handcuffed. I couldn't really give um, my heart of like the hip hop scene <coughs> into and being on air. So it, it kind of yes. it was a conflict for me um, because I had no pull. And I gotta I gotta say this, uh, ladies and gents, like by the t- by the time I met Soundwave and this Alanette, I want to say I want to send love to Alanette. By the time I met them, I was probably on my third album, and um, they were like the the radio personalities from Q One Four Seven that really fucked with me, that that really listened to my music, and and really tried to push me to the station. I'll never forget that. It, it meant a lot to me, and uh, to this day, ladies and gents, I would say more so during this pandemic, during this whole pandemic, ladies and gents. Whatever I recorded for my album or mixtape, I would send it to Soundwave right away. As soon as it was mixed and mastered, 
I'll send it to him for to test it out. He's 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 the first DJ that I send it to to test out my music. Real shit. That's wild, um, bro. Real shit. I, I send it to Soundwave first. I want to see what he thinks. You know, he he he's a he's a he has a good gauge of what's hot and what's not, and I trust his judgment. He'll tell me straight up if it ain't if it ain't popping, and if it is banging, he'll tell me too. So yeah. um, that's that's wild. You know, like early on when when we started uh, talking about even working together, like man, I remember being like kind of critical like when I was like oh like try to come in this way and I felt like I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that like as far as like working with an MC I wanted I wanted to structure things a certain way like working <laughs> yeah, yeah. working with different uh, MCs and and I, I I didn't know I was like stepping on people's toes by saying these things and I just wanted them to make the song sound better and check it out I'll, I'll never but forget to see that yeah I'll never session i'll never forget this soundwave made a beat and soundwave way the beat was structured was it would switch up every 16 bars so we had a session at quota studio his house studio in the ox i'll never forget this yo we had a session at at quota studio and gimmick from the familiar strangers came by to drop a verse quota dropped the verse i dropped the verse I don't know what happened to that song. What happened to that song? Man, so, so it was like a bunch of MCs that was supposed to get on that. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Damn, so, son. I tried to classic shit. I tried to bring all of the different MCs that I was like hanging out with from these shows. Classic, man. I tried to make an album early on. I remember that. I yeah, remember so that. I was trying to work on these things and um I even tried to bring like um, MED and uh, Declaim Wild Child all into the mix, so we Snap could that, yeah. we could have a track together, like all the hottest MCs. I even had like treatments for videos where um, like Spirit and Tank were gonna be doing their verses from like TDM in the line, like on a busy Saturday night. <laughs> I I had like EJ and uh, J Pro. <coughs> Busting from the pal gym. Oh man. Like I had like all these ideas. Like um I remember Philly Blunt, uh, we were gonna do something in the studio, and it's it just like I was being that we recorded it all at different spots, I lost all the tracks. Damn, son. Yeah, oh, man, I'll, I'll never forget that session. It was dope. That beat was crazy. Like it would switch up, dog, every 16 bars. Yeah, and you, you know, then the whole purpose that shit was of, crazy. Uh, the that track it was called uh, "March into Madness." Uh, ah, that's right. So there's a basketball tournament, March Madness. You know, so I was trying to do like a sort of like a bracket where all the MCs went their 16 bars or their eight bars, even some, and then we were gonna end up at the top. You know, like. Um, I remember Cross setting it off. Yeah. He was like the first MC to bust, and so it was gonna be like a ten-minute track, yeah, of the fire. And um, it just, I, it got lost. It got lost along the way. I still have the beat, but I lost. You all do? The I, I do. I lost all the vocals though, but I do still have the beat. 
Wow. Yeah, I gotta send that to you. Definitely. Please, do- bro. Yeah. This this had to be. This, this is like must 15, have been fifteen years ago. Nah, this this must have been two thousand nine. Maybe maybe ten. Maybe ten years ago. Man. Yeah, two thousand nine. Because I was moving. I was that. That was that one year I lived in the Ox. Uh, let me. So hold on. So before we get. So I know you. You must have met a lot of artists throughout the years in the station. Who was the top three biggest artists you met through Q one hundred four? Um, I believe a uh, Ghostface. Um, probably uh one of the the biggest ones. Um. Man, honestly, bro, I met so many. You know who I was like in awe of? Maya. Nice. Oh man, A. Marie. <laughs> a. Marie. Ooh, the god! You met A. Marie? Yeah, A. Marie. Ooh. Um, Cassie. Damn. Like all the all like, uh, all the hotties. Yeah, and uh, there was a time where when I was DJing the clubs, I was DJing on the air, so we brought. David Banner, Ying Yang Twins, uh, E40, um, Sugar Free, all these artists, DJ Quick, all these artists that were hot. Um, I remember even um, Ray J, um, whoever had a hot single, we had a show with them. So I was the, I was the opening DJ in most cases. Wow. Uh, I so I got it. to I got to DJ for Snoop. I got to DJ for Warren G. I got to uh, eventually. I even went to their studios, uh, and you know, just lounged out with them. Shout out to DFP for um, he was in charge of um, like a lot of the marketing back then and promotions. So we hung heavy, and he got he got me in the door with a lot of um, the artists. You actually got to meet them, and we got like DJ drops. Um, Who ha- like, how was Ghostface? How was Ghostface? Dope. Was he was he was cool? Yeah, it's really cool. Swiss Beats. Um, man, I remember uh, maybe not in the studio, but I remember we got to meet like 50 Cent. We got to meet uh, Raekwon. Where did you meet 50 Cent? In Vegas. Wow. Yeah, we got to meet a lot of different artists. So like being a DJ on the air, that meant that the record labels took us out and try to like smooth us to get their songs on the air. Like, hey, you know what? We'll take you guys out to dinner. So they would take all those DJs out, and we would have this big old like, we would go to <laughs> we would go to Chili's or we would go to TGA Fridays, and they would buy us food and drinks. And they were trying to get us like, okay, so this is our song. I remember uh, Obi Trice. I remember. Wow. Just these artists were kicking it with us. We were like hanging out, having drinks and shit. They were um, rolling up in the parking lot. It was just crazy. In the in the ox too. Yes, in the ox. So all these artists were coming out here. Believe it or not, the the Ventura Q1047, um, that market, it's very prestigious in radio. Like just because we're we're not directly in LA, but we're a little off. But out here, the artists want to come. They love the. They love Santa Barbara. They love Ventura County. How was Obi Trice? How was Obi Trice? Yeah. Cool? Ooh, cool cat. Um. So he like Shady Records took y'all out. Yeah, Shady Records. There were there were. Oh man, I forgot his name. But there was another. There was another few Shady. Uh, Stat Stat Quo, and another guy. I forgot the other guy's name. But um, 
I remember they were, we were just talking, and I remember them talking about a track that had 50 Cent, Eminem, Jay-Z, like, and I don't know if you ever heard that Syllables track um, that featured all these different artists, and uh, 50 Cent and Jay-Z were on the track together, mm-hmm. and it just had Eminem, it, it, was, it was nuts. Um, but I remember them telling me like years before I even heard the song, like, oh yeah, they're in the studio. They're working. Dr. Dre's working with Jay-Z. Um, I, I would hear all these like inside information about the detox, all these songs about detox. So I, I got, I had detox songs that were like, sort of like treatments that were not, they weren't really the songs yet. So it was like T.I. rapping as Dr. Dre. So it was just kind of crazy because these were actual like produced songs that were just sort of like um, they were they were even they it never happened they were never released but I got my hands on these early on before like when the internet was sort of like trading files or you would go to like Dub CNN you would go to like these websites where you would check daily to see what the hottest music was because. All the internet was on fire with artists starting to branch out and produce their own music, and um, this is where this is where like uh, Nipsey Hussle came from. This is where um, like Glasses Malone and uh, Kendrick Lamar, The Game, like all these artists came up from the internet. Oh yeah, file so- sharing, and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's crazy, bro. <laughs> so Sally, let me ask you something. Um, You've had five years of experience on the radio, and I think this is just this is just valuable information for my listeners. Like for all those who are trying to get in the music business, all my upcoming younger DJs really trying to do this. Like my podcast is all about like having the the seasoned the seasoned vets to pass down knowledge. Um, for all those in the radio business, in your opinion. What makes a radio station successful? What are the top three things they need to do to make sure it runs successful? Because Q1 for Seven had a great fucking run, yo. Yeah, you know, great it, run. What what made them successful in your eyes? I, I believe it's really community. The mm. community makes you like mm. if the community supporting you, and um, you have a solid team that mm-hmm. is out, that is being seen that is being um out and about just just trying to network with the people because i have people today that show up to wherever i spin at just on the strength of what i've done in the past so it's just crazy you have to be very humble and you have to be very um sincere and honest Mm -hmm. with with these people because if they're going to support you for life if you if you make that bond you know so it's very uh, I, I think community based to a local radio but um to get your foot in the door you have to you have to do things you don't want to do you have to be an intern you have to go get coffee you have to go set up uh a, an event that's like in front of a bank and you have to try to like play music and you have to you have to deal with people like saying oh you can't you can't turn it up too loud but we want you here like they want your presence but they don't want the whole song and dance so mm-hmm. you have to be willing to have a thick skin about things mm-hmm. and 
be willing to be like, you know what, it is what it is, and you have to kind of go along with things before you're able to really branch out on your own and um, become a star if that's where you want to take it. But mm-hmm. um, you you have to really uh, make your way up. Um, I, I'm sure there's special uh, circumstances and there's there's certain artists that from the get go you know they were a star. Sure, but um, it's just really hard um, to get to that point if you're still trying to figure out what you want to do with it. Like if you want to be a uh, personality on the air or if you want to just be uh, behind the boards, production. You know, uh, there's there's a lot of uh, marketing. There's there's so many different areas of radio that people maybe they don't think is as flashy. Like say like Rico and Mambo, yeah, they're, they're the guys who talk on the air or WizKid. Um, those guys are, you know, Santiago. Those guys are like familiar uh, voices that you know so it's really hard to just jump into that that lane if if you're not um, if you're not going to be ready for uh, the ups and downs of it yeah uh, let me ask you this um, now ladies and gents like for us musicians DJs performers you know we, yeah, we do this because, you know, we, we love it. We love it. And also, we need to do it. You know, it's just a part of who we are. We want to do it and we need to do it. Um, and then the pandemic happened. Um, it shut down a lot of venues for a lot of uh, artists. And I was just watching the music community. We had to adapt quick. And one thing I noticed about Soundwave is that he adapted quick. Um, you definitely utilized Twitch this past year and a half, and you are you have your every your weekly show, Cassette Robot Radio, um, every Sunday at 10 a.m. And sometimes Soundwave will spin on a random night, even on a random night he'll spin on, on Twitch. Let me ask you this, dog top three ways for you to stay busy during the pandemic as a DJ and, and stay relevant out there. I know Twitch is one of them. Yeah. So what were, what were the things you were doing to make sure you, you stayed out there and you kept playing music? Um, you know, it, it's just funny because I I never stopped. I've for the last you know thirty years or so, music is on my daily agenda. Like I have to, I have to build. I have to create. Mm-hmm. So I had a different venue, a different avenue. Like, hey, you know what? We're we're trapped. Mm-hmm. what do we do mm-hmm. so we jumped on facebook and we started playing music for the facebook listeners yeah that was so, fun yeah so from there it was there was the 805 djs that uh yep. dj depeche mode and dj q dj sherman were like the really the first ones that were like doing that so i was like oh crap like what's going on like damn people are tuning in like your facebook followers could see what you're doing live hell yeah so yeah so it was just crazy and it was like a natural thing that um i was probably just mixing in on the daily just trying to be trying to like keep people's spirits up and and keep the vibe going of like you know what maybe we can't be all together but we could all listen in and hear what's going on at the same time and chat and interact um, so we kind of we kind of meshed all that and we became I, I really 
gained a lot of good close friends through the pandemic because of streaming and it's just so crazy how um something that we've been doing regardless so i can't speak for everyone but just me myself i was always having you make music or working on music or just playing jams and you know because this is also my job you know i was i was um always djing uh, events and parties and clubs so i got the i got that taken away from me for a while you know because mm -hmm. we couldn't do anything we couldn't be out i lost money i lost gigs because of the pandemic so yeah, that's crazy man Fuck. so eventually with the the twitch um we were able to monetize things a bit and people were following and uh, tuning in and they were they could give you give you biddies and money uh through through subscriptions so i was making hundreds of dollars every week just from djing uh through streams i love it man um ladies and gents like i love the selection the, the sound wave got i mean he always rips it but i'd be tuning in there's some exclusives i've never heard of some mashups i've never heard of it's just uh it's just some dope shit and there's themes like a couple weeks ago we were doing some underground west coast like yeah. the forgotten one the forgotten joints the one that doesn't get too much play but he brought it back um let me ask you this uh what is your advice for DJs post-pandemic era? And I keep saying post, but guess what, people? This <laughs> this pandemic is not done. Like motherfuckers are saying, then you then you strain this out, and even if you caught the first one, it doesn't matter. You gotta get you gotta get vaccinated. In this motherfucker, man. Yeah. And I and they're they're making LA wear masks again. And I have this feeling that they're gonna shut shit down again, dog. I don't know, bro. Yeah. I don't know. You know, it's just, you know, it, it, it's. I don't know, dog. That's how it looks. You you know how it, it kind of hit other areas first, and sucks, then it, and then it eventually shut us down. So yeah, man. I think the same thing might might happen, but um, I'm I'm really busy like right now. Like I have gigs every single weekend because things are people are having parties again and people are doing things again so right now just try to keep your head up and and amen, be ready amen. be ready if if we if we need to go on lockdown again um hopefully we don't but if we do stick to your guns build your craft master things that i don't care who you are you could always get better you could always fine tune things there's no such thing as perfection but you could get it in a pocket And you're gonna make history if you really put all your heart and effort into things. You you could have a you could have a banger. You could have a joint. You could have you could have a, a a dope video edit. You could have the hardest beat. You could have a crazy verse on someone else's track. You know it, it doesn't matter. Just put put your all into it, and I guarantee you, you're gonna be happy with it later on, years down the line, and you're gonna reminisce and be like. Man, that pandemic, I had some verses. I had these beats going on. I had this, you know, I, I had these things cracking in the worst time that probably we ever been through in our lives, you know. And yeah, it's been for, trying for, times. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, you know, one of the highlights for me was just seeing how, you know, before verses became really commercialized, I really enjoyed the premiere versus Riz of Battle. 
I, I was really enjoying what we had going on IG and for a while that really held us down you know um, I, I remember the day that they announced the pandemic was the day the same day that Jay Electronica's album dropped and oh, wow. um, it just it just brings more mystique in his career like we never got a chance to see Jay Electronica really tour that album because as soon as it dropped the shit shut down it's like god damn you know <laughs> um yeah, that would have been wild. Let me ask you this. Uh, what's... Okay. You, you've come across plenty artists and um, you've heard a bunch of new music and, and you know, like, you encou- you've encountered a lot of artists in your life. Hold what on. May- Go ahead. Sorry, Martin. Um, it's all good. Yo, bro, I'm still here at work, so I'm just uh, doing, like, a... Like a switch, real quick. No worries. I can I can take a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll send you another link. Let me know when you're ready. Okay. Let me. All right. Peace, peace, peace. Yes, yeah. Soundwave, can you hear me? Yes, sir. Awesome. Dope, dope. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So before we we got um before we had to take a break. I believe my last question was, I know you've encountered many artists, you know, in your lifetime, bro. Just like as a DJ, you've, you've got a chance to meet some big artists. You got a chance to meet some some artists in the underground. And I'm sure as a DJ, you come across new music all the time that you have to, um, that's being sent to you. Um, as a DJ, what makes an artist stand out to you? What are the top three things you're looking for? That makes an artist stand out. You know, um, it's really what type of music it is. It's if it's like a club jam, mm-hmm. if it's an underground track, mm-hmm. um, if it if it's my own personal preference. If I'm going to use it, how am I going to use this song? Mm-hmm. So, pretty important factors um, as far as like if it's a if it's a track that I'm going to bump like myself. This is mm-hmm. not like me trying to play the song for a crowd like if Mm -hmm. i you know if if i want to share this song with my people or if i want to hear this track with um my close friends or whatever um i'm gonna share it i'm gonna be like yo check this out i'm gonna be all happy about it you know right so that's gonna be the you know the the beat the chorus the lyrics of course uh, just the flow of the track and if it's Mm -hmm. if it moves me you could Mm -hmm. tell in the first 30 seconds if a song's gonna be gonna be something you're gonna want to keep yeah yeah yeah, yeah. want to um, check for um so yeah you could you could tell early on um but you know if it's a if it's a, a club jam if it's a radio jam um you know it's those kind of tracks are a lot more disposable they don't have a very long shelf life you know mm-hmm. so unless it's like you know a sure shot Look at look how far the last ten years. Look how look how music is consumed now. It's like it's not really lasting. It doesn't really hit you like as long anymore. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so it, it takes a lot of more special artists to be invested in that type of thing. So it's it's a little it's a little um, different to um, really be in love with a, a, a hip-hop song now mm-hmm. you know um the internet 
do you think it has helped the music industry or has it hurt the music industry? Yeah, it, I, I think it definitely has has hurt it now. <laughs> Streaming. Do you think do you think it has hurt it more than it has, it has helped, or has it helped more than it's hurt? You know, what I'm saying like, which I, one? I, I, um, I I think the internet has helped spread the word, but I think streaming is not helping artists at all because it's not making them any money. It's yeah, maybe there people are are you know finding out who artists are, sure, but um, they're getting seen and stuff. But look at look at the breakdowns of how streaming uh, music you're you're making two cents out of every hundreds of of listens. So it sucks. I, yeah, like how are you how are you gonna make this a career or how are you gonna make this happen without? going out and doing shows without making merch without getting your uh, having physical copies of something so i think if you're still going to be investing into your craft you have to think outside of the box you can't just make music anymore you have to be a, a brand pretty much mm-hmm. let me ask you this dog um as far as new artists coming up I know that's one of your advice. You say like you gotta you gotta build your brand. It has it has to be more than music. Yeah. What else are you? What else is your advice for upcoming artists out here? Try try to uh, go outside of the box a bit. Mm-hmm. Don't copy. You don't want to have to sound like everyone else to fit in. You want to stand mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's more important to be yourself and. Um, just hone hone yourself as an artist a complete artist don't just be like thinking you're the best MC and that people are gonna care more than you know or, or they're, they're gonna they're gonna invest all their time and energy into you because we've learned over the years that the greatest MCs they get no love they get no play um, so it's kind of a hard I wish uh, I wish Chino Excel was a superstar. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish uh, Crooked Eye, and I, I wish these artists. I wish Dilated. I wish Evidence. Yeah, was, you know, yeah. I wish. I, I, I wish. I wish Marlon D got more universal love. You know, mm-hmm. other than you know, just from the people that have seen him. I, I want your name be, to be brought up. I want. I want all these artists to um, not have to die to get known. Mm-hmm. What's your thoughts on the violence in hip hop? Why is violence coming back in hip hop? Why are we losing so many artists to gun violence, gang violence? Like, why do you think it's coming back, Sanway? Um, you know what? I, I I think it's always been there, but now that social media is so instant, we know everything. Mm-hmm. That, you know, if we we know what's going on at every second of the day. It could be anywhere in the world, and uh, it's just the way we consume our our uh, social media and entertainment is just there, like constantly. Like you, you have your phone in your hands at all times now because you feel like you're gonna miss something. And we're not really living the way that we probably did ten years ago because um, 
it's just it's it, it, it's just we get caught up and and i think violence and people are just agitated aggressive more than ever and um so maybe um the same amount of artists that you know like say like chicago you know how that whole scene out there like, they kill they kill all these rappers and stuff like all the time um it's crazy man it's alarming it, man it, it's not yeah it's not. It, it, we lost too it, many man we lost a lot it's just the clout and uh jealousy you know that's always been prevalent in hip-hop and it's just the way it is but um for for someone to take it too far or or, or to think that this is the life you know it's it's bigger than hip hop. And it's sad, um, I, man. Like, yeah. I think our very own Jam Master J, one of the architects of this culture, got blasted in his hometown. I think what happened to Nipsey Hussle is sad. I think what happened to Big L is sad. Soldier Slim. I can keep going on and on of all the uh, uh, of all the rappers we lost and like Tupac, Biggie, Proof, just and, like this. And, those are just the prime examples, but then yeah. like I can't even I of the rappers we lost in 2020 due to violence. There's too many names, and I don't want to miss none. And I guess what I'm saying is 2021 hip hop sound wave. Where does the DJ stand? And what I mean is, once upon a time, bro, the DJs had the power to break and make an artist in, in order for your for your records to pop off. DJs had to get behind you. Um, do you think the DJ still has that power or the internet has that power? You know, there's always going to, there's always going to be tastemakers and people who are going to bring something to the forefront. So now they're called, uh, people who, uh, just, they have a, they have some sort of, uh, intuition or 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 maybe they have a, just a certain following that they have a lot more pull and they're gonna they're gonna sort of like have people gravitate towards what they're listening to or, or what they're checking for so um i think djs are very because we're gonna we're gonna show you the track um we're gonna highlight it at the hottest moment of the party or the or the the, the the media's part of the of the um, the mix or podcast because the stream you, you still want to hear like new artists and you still want to oh, hear yeah. going on so um you're gonna hear a certain track and you're gonna be like oh shit who was that or what was that um, so yeah I, I believe the DJ is still very powerful and um, has a say in the direction I think the DJ's controls what's going on in the club. I think the DJs get a good gauge on what's working in the club. And to all my underground hip hop heads and all my underground. Yo, it MCs, was same track. Oh, can you can you hear me now? Can you hear me? Okay, yeah, I could hear you. It was saying it was saying trying to reconnect. That's why I couldn't okay. hear you right now. So what I was saying is um whether we like it or not, all my underground all my I don't even want to label it underground MCs, but for all the MCs who don't make that type of club music, whether you like it or not, the DJ has a good gauge if your music will work and can move people in, in the clubs. Because 
guess what? You want to get in this music business? You're going to need those type of records, you know? It can't be a motherfucking boom bap album the whole time. It just, it just can't. Unless that's the one that, unless that's all you're trying to cater to. But I believe that as you grow as an artist, you're going to want to cater to everybody, yo. And I think that, to be honest, in so many ways, I think the internet took the power away from the DJ a little bit to break and make artists. I think, I think sometimes artists feel like they have to yeah, rely on you. It's very hard. It's very hard I, to, um, I think to have that balance artists, and be able to be a, um, that you're going to get play on the radio and, uh, universal love, you know, like, uh, uh I, I think it's easier for artists to do it now, um, than it was 10 years ago. Like, I think, like, yeah. I, I think like say like Jay Z was a he had the streets and the clubs at the same time, you know. In 2021, I think sometimes artists feel like they have to depend on YouTube hits, YouTube views, SoundCloud views. Um, they have to they have they have to depend on the views you got on IG. That's how they think they they can gauge if it's hot or not. But like. I always I, feel like the views doesn't translate if it's dope or not, son. Like I, I think that, <laughs> that, that that's sort of like a false, you know, a, what I'm saying a false, a false ego tap on your shoulder because that's mm. that's not really a true uh, termination if you're dope or not because people want to see people want to see the worst things, you know. Maybe that doesn't mean that it's necessarily a, a great song. It's just, mm. it's just catchy or whatever, you know. So, yeah, um, I, I think if MC, if you're a true artist, you got to be able to have. Okay, I believe we're good now. Nice, nice. So, Soundwave, you were saying um, to be a great MC, you have to what? You know, to be a great, complete MC, you have to be able to have a uh, a good stage presence. You have mm-hmm. to be able to hold it down and put on a good show. Mm-hmm. If you don't have that demand or that... Um, just that assertiveness on the mic on mm-hmm. the who who's gonna who's gonna care if you don't <laughs> you know mm-hmm. if you're up there half-assing it and not just you know just just trying to get through the track um it's gonna show yeah. it's not you're not gonna get too far mm-hmm. your boys could hype you up all day huh. your mom could say you're the best MC. Your girl could, <laughs> your girl, your girl could give you, give you a new outfit and and make you look like the guys on TV. But that doesn't make you a true MC. Mm-hmm. You know, and that and that's the thing, ladies and gents. I gotta say this: um, you cannot skip the process of becoming a great MC. It does not happen overnight at all. It's going to take a couple decades to find your voice, to hone your style, develop your breath control, to stand behind your approach and your message and really believe in your message. 
And when you get up there on stage, you have to act like you believe in your message. And um, yeah. it, it takes your breath control. It takes years to develop how 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 much you can perform until you get winded. So there's no other way to do this but to keep doing it, okay? And 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 to be a real dedicated MC, you cannot take two three years off and come back once every three years. It doesn't work like that. If you're not performing. You better yeah. be recording. If you're not record, <laughs> if you're not recording, you better be writing. Shit! If you're not writing, you better be constantly hunting for beats. And for all the MCs listening, they know how this goes. It doesn't stop. If you're not doing any music, you better be searching for publications to put you on. You better be booking radio interviews for yourself. You better be booking podcast. It doesn't. It just. This is nonstop, and for all the younger MCs that want to get in this, I just want to let you know: it's either you give it your two hundred percent, or don't give it at all. It's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah, you, I don't think you could be a weekend MC, right? <laughs> you know, like I could um, be a weekend, I could be a weekend DJ, but I don't believe weekend MCs could. Uh, could swing you can up. be a, well, you can be a weekend MC as far as performing every weekend, but. Throughout the week, you better be practicing your set. Throughout the week, you better be writing rhymes. Um, there's nothing wrong with an MC doing shows twice a week, especially if you know if you work at nine to five. My bad. Sorry, I don't know. What's, I don't know what's going on. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what the issue is right now, but. It's all good. So what yeah. I was saying was like, you know, it's okay to be a weekend MC if you're if you're an adult and like doing the nine to five thing throughout the week. If you're if you're still performing once or twice a week, I think that's still good. You know, what what's your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. By all means, you have to have a day job. You, you have to be able to support your travel. You have to have you have to be able to put gas in your car to go drive three mm -hmm. hours to a show. You know, but how how many MCs are gonna do that are willing to do that you know mm. so it just shows what's your grind worth mm. you know it, it, it shows how much you believe in your grind if you don't make time for it right yeah you there's there's so many life 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 happens is, yeah you, you have to what, what if you have kids what if you have uh someone sick at home you're taking care of you know it's like you gotta put prioritize mm -hmm. and I think all these real things you could put that all in your music mm -hmm. and it's just gonna make you go through experiences and, and visualize things a lot more deeper and you're gonna be, come off as more authentic mm -hmm. because besides all the glamour and glitz of being a rapper all the dope chains and all, all the bottles and all the all the chicks you know it's just like you have to be able to make another track mm -hmm. and let me ask you this this is the one last question for the night before we end it off um how has fatherhood changed you in any way how many kids you got now Soundwave? yeah i got two kids two children how, how has fatherhood changed you how has it changed your life you know if there's any changes has it uh, changed you at all yeah, absolutely. It it's made me a better person. It's just, Amen. Yeah, it it's made me uh realize that there's 
so much more than just us. You know, we could we could go on forever and just being living that that life where you know we're out and you know people want to go smoke and drink and you could do all those things and still have children, but you have to be able to learn balance and you have to uh, prioritize it and and make sure that you're taking care of first and foremost um and then you you, you got to be able to b- balance these things with music or your career and it's not just music it, people have these struggles and issues on the daily you know mm-hmm. so uh trying to mix in uh music on top of having children and and a job man it's it's not cracked up for everyone but um the true the artists are are gonna find the way to do it um and you know what my bad this, this is the last questionnaire for all my hip-hop heads i give them i give them a list of names and um i just want you to tell me which one you prefer all right like okay. who, who like which one you prefer as an artist or as an mc um all right rock him or daddy or daddy kane man you're killing me with this yeah. <laughs> Everyone um, has a tough one with this one. Yeah, jeez, oh, I I love both of them, and, and it's uh, always interesting what people pick too. <laughs> I find it interesting. You know, um, I, I Ra- rock him or daddy. Who was a better MC? Who was a better MC to you? And that's a tough one because they are equally. Oh my well, God. Okay, okay. No, they were both amazing, but I I think I just have a preference for Rakim. Nice. Because he was breaking scientific things yeah, that he was. tracks, yeah, he was. putting it on a song where people were dancing. Yeah, it's the you first know? Nas. He's the first Nas. I don't care what nobody said. That's the first Nas, you know. <laughs> you know, but but Big Daddy, Big Daddy had huge records. He he was Big Daddy was a superstar. Yeah, you know, I Big, think Big Daddy yeah. was crazy. Um, a maybe complete he, artist. Yeah, wasn't. Maybe Rakim wasn't as, um, you know, forefront. You know, he, he was just like hard. He he was the epitome of of tough. I I, I believe him. Him and uh, Cool G Rap were like they were they were uh, just just so freaking raw. All right, uh, next. Okay, good. Yeah. Next next name. Um, KRS or Cool G Rap? Yeah. Um, I gotta, I got, I gotta go with with KRS because because I love I love Cool G Rap, I absolutely do. But um, KRS, me growing up, he, he, he was he was just like the teacher. Like he he taught me a lot. He taught me a lot about things that I probably would have never never even thought to think of um, if it wasn't for KRS' early records. Um, they were exposing us to a lot of, um, you know, just a lot of like public enemy, just a lot of uh, political issues and uh, things in the communities um, besides party records or being the, you know, Cool G Rap was more like I'm the greatest MC. And, um, you know, his stories were very vivid. They absolutely were. But um, I learned more from KRS early on. Absolutely. LL or KRS? Um, I'm I, I I gotta go with KRS again because right, cool. 
I, I, I think Al was um, he was one of my huge first influences, but I think Karis, um, I just gravitated more towards him because of being super extra hip hop. All right, Ghostface or Raekwon? Oh, yeah, shit. I, I gotta go with Ghost. All right, DMX or Busta? Busta. Woo! Big Pun or Eminem? Eminem. Woohoo! All right, uh, Big L. You know, wait, you, Big you know, L? like, huh? Yeah, no, I was just saying, you know, like a lot of puns. We didn't, we didn't get to experience pun like too much, you know. Yeah, yeah, but, but the like, records that he he was amazing, but he punched all his lyrics in, like that, all those records that. that you, all those records that you heard. He couldn't, he couldn't really flow without you know because of his weight and his breath control was just shot by the right. time he, yeah big l or big pun uh big l big l or eminem big l Woo-hoo! all right rad man or method man red man damn all right rizza or jizza that's an mc rizza or jizza Jizza completely. Jizza, wow. Jizza could take out most of the whole clan by himself as a lyricist. Jizza's amazing. Um. Okay. Nas or Jay Z? Nas. And you were gonna say that. Um. All right. De La Soul or Tribe? Um. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Della. No way! Really? Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just just because they're. Dance. I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Is that? Yeah. You, you know, I I love Tribe to the core. I I absolutely do. But um, I think Della would just. They're just more. A little bit they're, harder. They're like they're a little bit harder. To me. Yeah, I think they were. I think the approach of Della was just a little bit more harder than Tribe. Like. It's just a, the the beats were bagging a little. I mean, I can't take that thing away from Tribe. That's this iconic. All right, let's take it to the West real quick. Okay, to E forty or too short. Uh, you're still connected on mine. Yes. All right, Soundwave. So, where you left off, we're going to take it back to the West, all right? So, E-40 or Too Short? Too Short. All right. Um, DJ Quick as an MC or MC8? DJ Quick. All right. Daz or Corrupt? Corrupt. Snoop or Ice Cube? Ice Cube. Wow. Alright. The game or Kendrick? Kendrick. <laughs> Kendrick or J-Rock? Kendrick. Alright. Kendrick or Schoolboy Q? Um yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one, right? Cause yo, I think he's so I don't know what happened. I think I think Schoolboy Q's underrated. I don't know what's going on. Like yeah, he is. He does not get the same publicity as Kendrick. I get it. Kendrick's great, but nah, man. Schoolboy Q's a problem. Yeah, Schoolboy Q has 
Uh, he got some shit. I don't give a fuck yeah. what nobody say. And 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 you know, like Kendrick could be like a little trying trying to go like a crazy route all the time, and Schoolboy mm-hmm. Q just stays in the pocket, and he's he, he just he's just a real a real MC who who happens to uh, make quality records. Ah, uh, dude, that's that's TD one of TD's best. Um, okay, let's talk about production. All right, RZA or Premier? Premier. Ooh, Premier or Pete Rock? Man, uh, I'm gonna go with Premier still. Wow. All right. All right. Just Blaze, producer. Just Blaze. Okay. Havoc. Or Alchemist? Alchemist. Yup. Uh, Alright, Evidence or Raka? That's an MC. Oh, okay. Um, man, I, 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 I love Ev, man. Oh, yeah, me too. Alright, Big Boy or Andre 3000? Yeah, 3000. Alright. Um... All right, let's take it to the south, and we're gonna end it off with the south. Okay, Ludacris or Ti? Luda. <laughs> Everybody said, you know what's funny? Every hip hop head I ask, yo man, they prefer Luda. Real shit. You know? Yeah. I don't I, know. People just prefer Luda over Ti. The hug. It ain't gonna lie. I I, I think uh, Luda has more uh, charisma. He got flows for days. Yeah, you know, T.I., like, he just, he, you know, he's content with just being the man, but I think Luda, he's just a little more um, accessible, maybe. Yeah, I see, I see Luda, like, it's like this, yo. For all the hip-hop heads out there, like, Redman is, Redman has opened doors for MCs like Luda and Eminem, like, like Luda is like the southern version of Redman, and the, you know it's like that the animated that personality and what they rap about. Like, just I think Ti definitely appeals for the streets, but Luda is just on a whole nother tip, you know? Yeah, 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 for sure. And, and you know, like when you asked me, uh, DMX or Busta, and I said mm. I said Busta because to me, um, you did say Busta, yeah, yeah. He's just. Uh, he just like he's just a character like like ODB is a character like those guys are just like they're larger than life. Let me ask you this: what what made you pick De La Soul over Tribe? What what gives a De La Soul edge over Tribe that that, that Tribe doesn't have? Um, you know I I I <laughs> I, 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 I think I think Poss and and Dave are just are just too. Of our greatest lyricists. Exactly. Facts. They're, they do not get the props, man. They yeah. don't get the props as MCs. Like, they get the props as a group. Yeah. But individually, no, they do not get their props. Yeah. They, they don't get brought up enough. Nah, man. De La Soul is like the long lost cousin of Tribe that doesn't come around too often. Yeah. They're the ones who introduced us to Tribe and, uh, them and the Jungle Brothers, and uh, I think Dela just is one of those uh, unsung heroes. They don't have all the shiny records or the the um, you know just the, but they have longevity. If you look back at their all their albums, out of quality music. music. Um, Talk about and, 
you know, <coughs> and, and I, and I, you know, not to take anything away from Fife, but Fife really didn't come, come, <coughs> come into his own until like a few albums in, you know, uh, and he never, he didn't really uh, have the, have the, uh, just the, he, he didn't control the song like, like Tip yeah. did. Mm-hmm. Like, so there was more records that Tip shined than, than Fife did, you know. I think Fife shined a lot on a lot of the solo records that Tribe had. Um, let me ask you, but, let me ask you this, dog. Um, sorry. Uh, between Life After Death and All Eyes on You, which one do you prefer? Uh, all eyes on me was a party record, and uh, I, 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 I think that I, I really, when when that album dropped, I was on Sunset, so mm. it was just like an era, um, and we got Life After Death after Biggie passed, mm. so that was a huge, you know, loss. You, you got to look huge. at you got to look at it in those perspectives. Yeah, we had them. Um, on two different spectrums that's so. so true you know we you know it's so sad that i think biggie's most successful game-changing album he was not alive to see it and the saddest thing is if you think about it we never saw biggie get to perform any of the second album live and that's horrible man yeah um that hypnotized and that was it all right latifah or mc light light foxy brown or little kim Kim. Wow. Um Kim's raw. Don't don't like Kim. Foxy Foxy was dope, but Kim Kim could rap. Like Oh, Kim she could battle. rap. The voice is crazy. She could battle. Um she, she was a dope MC. Foxy she was, she was a product of her environment of the um of the bling era. Uh Foxy Foxy um she we, we didn't really get much of her other than you know she was pretty and she 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 flowed on ain't no you know yo Jeezy or Rick Ross um I I I think I'm gonna go with uh Rick Ross <laughs> all right fabulous or 50 cent um damn I I, I I think I think Fab had like some jams and he does got a lot. He got mad hits, dog. Mad you know, hits. And 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 going back to Rick Ross, Rick Rick Rock probably picks. He has some of the best beat selections of any MCs out there. Mm-hmm. The you know like Jay Z and Nas, they could get any beats they want, but they can. Yeah, I wish they picked the beats that Rick Rocks picked. Let me ask you this. Or, you know? Reasonable doubt or Illmatic? Illmatic. Alright, alright. Um, Meek Mills or Drake? Um, I I guess I'm going to go with Drake. You know, just because right. just he's more well-rounded and Meek Mills, I don't believe he's the complete... Um, guy all the time he i think he gets in his head too much yeah i'm a, i gotta be honest with every hip-hop head i've interviewed on this platform when i asked them drake or meek mills i'm gonna be honest 
I was surprised how many people said Drake from real hip hop heads too. And I thought they were gonna say Meek Mills, but nah, man. Like people are fucking with Drake. We, they, it, I, don't, I don't, I don't necessarily even have to fuck with Drake to to <laughs> appreciate him being a to appreciate him being a, a good MC. You know. Oh, speaking of verses, we got this the Locks versus Dipset coming up. Who you got, man? The locks versus the soul. Oh my yeah, god, that's, that's gonna be raw. I, I I might have to. They got some grimy shit. So does the dipset. We can't count dipset out. They got some shit, son. And yeah, once that dipset anthem goes on, people are gonna rip their TV and throw it out the window. Oh, bro, that's New York at its peak. What 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 track could go against dipset anthem? Shit. This is my opinion, guys. If if the locks is gonna play anything from their catalog. Man, they need to end the shit with It's All About the Benjamins. Nothing can top It's All About the Benjamins as far as the locks. And then the fact that they got money, power, respect with DMX, they need to keep those. The, those are the locks' two biggest hits. Money, power, respect, and It's All About the Benjamins. Even though it's really Puff Daddy's song, the locks wrote that. So they yeah, can play that. But, but I think the solo, the solo songs are gonna be huge cameron cameron got a lot cameron got yeah. a lot of crazy solo songs yeah. yep once styles Pete plays good times oh yeah once once uh jada, jada kiss we gonna make it yeah just, there's some oh. hits there's some hits and this is the epitome of new york like like this is that new york shit man it, you know oh i didn't get to ask okay rest in peace nipsey but Nipsey or Kendrick? Um, I didn't really know Nipsey's music too much mm. until after he passed. So mm. go with Kendrick. I, I, I'm not gonna be one of those guys mm. in front and be like, "Oh yeah, I was always down with." You know, I didn't. I I knew some of the jams, but they didn't really move me as much as like Kendrick did. And I'm not that type where I'm gonna be like, "This cat's the greatest." Like. You know, like everyone's giving Pop Smoke all this crazy love. I didn't really know him too much until after he passed. You know, um, when I was in college, uh, some of the homies would go to the LA swap meet, and they would come back to Cal State Fullerton with some mixtapes. And um, it must have been '05. That's when I first saw Nipsey Hussle's uh, "Bullets." Bullets got a name, or "Stray Bullets Got a Name" mixtape, Volume One and Volume Two. So. I've been following him since, and then I really started tuning in when he started selling mixtapes for a hundred bucks a pop. When he did that, I was like, "Oh shit, this cat's different!" Like, yeah, like he he's really branding himself different. Ain't nobody selling no mixtapes for a hundred a pop, but he did it. And then I really think that it's a it's a real shame. Like, by the time he got to the marathon continues, um, that, that was a great album, yeah. By the time he got to the last, uh, the, the, uh, the what's it called? Victory Lap. The, the, by the yeah. time he got to the Victory Lap album, yeah. it was his first Grammy-nominated album. I think by the time he reached that album, he became more of a full artist that really knew how to make songs. Point. He got taken away, man, over some bullshit, man. It's crazy, yeah. man. You, um, you, you, you know, like... Uh, when, when I was doing radio, he was he was presented as a like the next Snoop. Definitely looked like it too. 
yeah and so that's sort of what they were kind of going for he was like and he even had a song early on with snoop so they were kind of trying to use that as the olive branch to try to brand him early on so it was cool i just wasn't really i wasn't into him as much as a, a lot of other cats what i respect about nipsey too was that um with all the similarities in snoop his voice did not sound like snoop his voice was way rougher i like it yeah um it was it was just a rougher voice he did, he did not try to sound like snoop um yeah yeah rest in peace to nipsey rest in peace to pop smoke uh man it's been a classic interview with you like Soundwave, man like i got a chance to really pick your brain a real music historian for all those tuning in Make sure you tune in to Cassette Robot Radio, all right? Every Sunday, 10 a.m. at twitch.com slash Soundwave 805 For Instagram, you can follow him at, at IamSoundwave. I want to put all the links in my um, in my um, episode description. You got any other shout-outs, dog, um, that, you, that you want to add out there? Shouts to the Get Down crew. Shouts to the Get Down. Shouts to all the 805 DJs. Any other shouts, Soundwave? Yo, uh, first and foremost, uh, shout to you, Marlon. Thanks for reaching out, man. It's a pleasure. Um, I never really got to do like this type of interview, so um, I wasn't really sure what to expect. So, oh man, you bear, bear with me if I was being a little, a little long-winded on some of the some of the topics. But um, thanks for uh, just going through uh, just everything. Uh, I would, man. I, we we could have we could have probably talked for like three hours. <laughs> I know, I know, straight up. Like, like this, ladies and gents. Like, it's been a good. Uh, I would say we've been on the phone for about like a good two hours. And like, I Soundwave is right. We can go on for two more if we keep yeah. like. There's there's too much to say, but we definitely got to save a part two. Hopefully by the time 2021 ends, and um. I just want to wish you nothing but good health for you and your family, nothing but prosperity and and um thank you for all the support that you've given me and all the 805 artists you fuck with. We appreciate you, bro. Keep doing your thing, Soundwave. Much love, brother. I Much really love. have mad respect for you and uh I'm looking forward to uh, whatever next project or endeavor you're doing. The podcast is sounding great and uh don't ever, uh, don't ever stop. Just continue to uh, do your thing and uh, make these moves. Love you, homie. I'm gonna hit you on the tats right now. All right. Let's go. All My right. Love, Andy Podcast. We did it. Peace, peace. Peace out, bro. Thank you. <laughs>